People are going to lose their minds. This is a moment in history unlike anything humanity's gone through. It's a very different world for humans to come. Take a step back and see the broad picture, which is the way all these technologies are interlinked. Because this is all about exponentiality, and humans can't think in exponential terms. How consequential do you want to say machine intelligence is? It's almost certainly as consequential as writing. How long did writing take to disseminate through the human population? You know, hundreds, thousands of years. And we're dealing with it now on a scale of months. But in this kind of world, you're compounding 100% growth every year, and the numbers become astronomical. AI is going to spot patterns in the world that were just completely invisible to us. Even if you think that the AI and the robots are your demise, you might as well bloody invest in them and make some money out of it. If not, you're just gonna be angry man shaking your fists at the clouds. Is this a new digital gold rush? Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Real Vision Daily Briefing. With me today is Paul Hodges, author of the PH Report and chairman of New Normal Consulting. Hi, Paul. It's great to see you again. Well, thank you for having me, Maggie. So we kicked off the week. We're in our first full week of trading week of December, and we kicked off the week with some consolidation in U.S. stocks. Not surprising, perhaps, after five weeks of gains, the Dow, S&P, and NASDAQ all giving back some ground. The Russell 2000 bucked the trend, um, but it was the only index uh, that was up. Treasury yields edged higher, but it was gold that was the real mover today, briefly touching 2,100 before falling back. Um, and we saw crypto continue to march higher as well. Bitcoin up around 6% at last check, 40 above 42,000. Um, Paul, I know that you watch gold. Uh, and and commodities closely. What did you What do you make of the price action in gold? We're become we're prepared to become positive on gold. I think um, the yeah the, the the environment is so uncertain out on there out there that I think there's some argument for for gold as part of a portfolio. And certainly when you look at the investor interest, it seems very low. Um, there's there's investor interest in Asia, of course, and and uh, that that's taking through. There's probably some central bank interest, but general investor interest in the states and Europe isn't very high. So if if that were to change, uh, you could see a real breakout. I mean, if you ask me, you know, what do I think the action is at the moment? I think the action is a typical. We're not quite sure whether we're going to tiptoe over into a new high, so we'll go up. And oh no no no, we'll just go down again. Oh. Wait a minute. Oh yeah, that's okay. Yeah, maybe try it again. Yeah, it is. It has been kind of bouncing around, and everyone's been waiting for that big breakout. A lot of the folks we have on are kind of feeling like it. It could be a moment for gold. Um, I don't think you watch crypto, do you? Because there has been a sort of debate. If people are looking for diversification, do they go to something like gold, or do they go to what some people are calling digital gold or crypto? That maybe they finally are not correlated so closely with risk assets. Any, any, is it piquing your interest at all here? Or is this still uh, something crypto, that you're- Crypto is too scary for me. I, you think things that suddenly go up 5% in the minute or something, I, or down 5%, I go, mm, yes, mm, I can't cope with this. <laughs> That's a lot of, a lot of people still say that, 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 yeah. you know, even, even now, even if they're interested, it's something that they, they feel like they, they can't get their head around. Um, it's going to be interesting to see if that changes, if we mm. get that ETF, the, the price action certainly been more constructive. So when mm. you look across 
the global economy. We're kind of at this point where we saw this big rally. Um, there's definitely people feeling differently about the Fed and central banks. And there seemed to be a lot of enthusiasm, but if we're in a different regime, what does that say about the global economy? How are you looking at the global economy right now? Um, I'm sorry, we're coming up to Christmas. I don't want to be a party pooper. It looks awful. I mean, I've been around here a long time and uh, I've never seen it this bad. And people that I talk to have been around 40 or 50 years have never, ever seen it this bad. I mean, if I, you know, we've talked about the chemical industry as the leading indicator for the global economy. You see the quarter three results from the big names, the Dow Chemicals, the Bayers, the uh, Lyondale Brazels and so on. The BASFs, for goodness sake, the largest company, they are awful, absolutely awful. And nobody has any sense that this is going to get better. Wow, that's that's pretty sobering assessment. And especially because, you know, this is where I think people are trying to figure out what happens next, because we saw all this enthusiasm and okay, the Fed's done hiking, but if they're done hiking, maybe it's for, you know, for reasons that should give us pause for concern. I um, mean, it certainly sounds like that's the camp that you're in. Why are things so bad? What are you hearing? Where Where's the weakness? Well, I, I mean, I think, first of all, Maggie, I think you can disregard the Fed. Uh, I mean, some of the central banks are starting to realise that there's a world outside their models, but, you know, the Fed has not moved in any, any way out there. So the, the Fed has no clue as to what's happening. You know, it was telling us inflation was transitory when we were screaming from the, the, the rooftops, as you know, on Real Vision and elsewhere, saying there's massive inflation because of supply chain problems and so on. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh this. So now, now, you know, now, now we have it. A year, eighteen months of pushing up rates and so on. Now, you know, Powell. I mean, I mean, the guy's a joke. But the the important thing is, if you look at what's happening in the real world, which is really where the chemical industry comes in. If you look at what's happening to housing and construction, it's awful. The amount of new, yeah. There's there's some toing and froing in the states around interest rates. Which are very low. If you've got an existing, if you took out a mortgage two years ago, so you're not you're not moving. But if you look at what's happened to new home sales, well, they've, they're down. I think it was seventeen percent or something. Seventeen percent, one seven percent. If you look at what's happening in Germany, biggest economy in in in, in Europe, the, the uh, prices for um, multi apartments down twenty four percent. Prices for single apartments down enormous. Great. Uh, 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 problems in the construction industry there. Uh, same, you know, obviously China. I mean, they can't they can't even get a resolution of Evergrande, which we all know is bankrupt. Um, and and they've they've cancelled now the third plenum, which is normally the policy setting agenda for the next five years. They can't have it, which tells you they don't know what to do. So which has got was. to be cause for concern because it's exactly. a centrally controlled economy. I mean, that this is, this is where this system will be found. Of its, because of its stimulus, $42 trillion of stimulus in the last 15 years, plus all the money they threw at, at, at outside of the, of the central bank, uh, $42 trillion, that was the growth engine of the global economy. Mm. And it's gone, fuck, as would happen. You know, if you get... You know, houses, house prices in the tier one cities, Shenzhen, Beijing, Shanghai, all the names you know, at double or treble the levels in New York, London and Paris. Well, obviously, it's a bubble. 
obviously it's going to burst. You don't have to be very clever to say, well, it's going to burst. You don't have to be very clever to say, well, I'll, you know, I'll take my money out now. And I mean, the carnage on the streets, you know, you talk to anybody who lives now in those streets and they say, yeah, there's people out there. They're going, you know, they're, they're still living. You know, everybody's still, still living, but there's no confidence at all. Hey, everyone, we're going to take a quick break right now to hear a word from our partners. We'll be right back with more of the day's top analysis on the Real Vision Daily Briefing. So I think there's some people that look into, let's see, the GDP number that came out in the U.S. and say, well, the U.S. economy is doing well. Can the U.S. and Europe, for that matter, be insulated from what's happening in China? Well, I mean, I mean, I think what's happened in 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 the U.S. and in Europe in the last six or nine months has been very clear. Uh, you had this vast amount of stimulus money, furlough payments, and so on. For many people, you know, that was they got more in furlough payments than they were getting originally. They weren't able to, uh, to 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 travel. They weren't able to see their friends. They weren't even able to go outdoors at some at, at some points. So when things do clear up, and thank goodness they did. Well, obviously, people book holidays, people go and see their friends, they go out to restaurants and so on, all of those things. So it's no surprise at all that in those areas, things have been doing double-digit rates. But, you know, if you look, if you talk to, you know, the, the, the San Francisco Fed does some numbers on it, the uh, you know, rest of the street firms do numbers on it, all that money is gone. And you look now at what's happening with stores. You look at what what the big stores are telling you about their customers. I mean, I've got a son who works in retail, and one of the things he says that you know is when you when when, when somebody gets to the to, to the to the checkout counter and they they get out they put put out their basket and then they go oh no and they put one or two items back mm-hmm. because they can't afford it, and that's where we are today. We were there in nineteen eighty. Eighty-one. We were there in 1992. We were there in 2001. We were there in in, in 2008, and we're here now in spades. So, so against that, that against that backdrop, does it make sense that we just saw a five-week really strong rally in U.S. equities? Well, I mean, I mean look at what's happened to the, to the exchanges over our lifetimes. These were set up originally by business people in Chicago, in New York, and so on, where they pooled their money in order to fund the investment in new businesses, right? It was a very serious, very well thought out plan. They risked their own money to do it. And then the exchanges got went public. So what did they do? They allowed the modern day highwaymen, the, the um, high, high frequency traders, to actually park their computers next to the exchange so that they would get a millisecond advantage so that they could, well, we can't say spoof, obviously it wasn't spoofing, it was just perfectly fair and everything else, but somehow they never ever lose money. And the exchanges have allowed a class of investors to never ever lose money. And then, just in case you thought you weren't dealing with a casino, they say, oh, by the way, you can do one day options. Mm. I mean, you know, you don't need to bet on you know who's got what's going to happen on the on, on the next round, or you know, is 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 he going to kick or punt? You know, you can just go into it's, you know. So the exchanges, you know, but it, what is very interesting, and you've talked we've talked about this, you've talked about it with other people, Maggie, is that with all of this, what's happened is the ordinary shares have actually really gone nowhere in recent. It's mm. only been the six or seven 
one. And people just fasten on that. And it's just like, it's before my time, but you can read the stories, just like the Nifty 50 in the, uh, in the, in the early 70s. You know, oh, these are one-stop sh- uh, shop uh, buys. You just buy them and put them away, Memorex, IBM, and so on. They'll never, ever go down. Oh, right. Okay, well, it wasn't 50, it's not 50 this time, it's seven. Well, you know, come back here next year, I don't think we'll be seeing those seven doing very well at all. And when they go, the rest of the market goes. Mm. So there isn't any any sort of broadening out or any sectors that you see picking up leadership at this point? I mean, the, 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 the market is trying to tell us something. We, we only care about what's happening in the real world. We talk, we therefore, we don't really care about money supply because that doesn't affect the real world. We talk about what's happening in energy markets. We talk about what's happening in geopolitics and we talk about what's happening in demographics. Now, you've got two major wars going on, one in Ukraine, one in Israel and Gaza. When wars start in the Middle East, they tend to go on for a long time. So, you know, and Netanyahu, the premier, is saying, you know, this is going to go on until I've killed everybody. Well, you know, we tried, people tried doing that in Northern Ireland in the 70s. Didn't work out very well. So, you know, that's going to go on. Ukraine and Russia, Putin has made it clear. He wants to take back the Soviet Union. So he wants Poland, he wants all of those East European countries back under the Soviet Union. But now, of course, they're NATO countries. So will NATO intervene or not? Are we going, you know, so massive problems there. Demographics, you know, if you look at the states, the main so the, ma- the major source of population growth in the states now is the over 55s. And the over 55s, the perennials, are lovely people, but they are a replacement economy. They're not having kids. When they get a bit older, they're, 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 reti- they're retiring, so their incomes go down, but they already own everything they own. So the only reason you've had any increase in GDP over the last 15 years has been this absurd stimulus program. And what's the end result of the stimulus program? Vast debt. Now, mm. sorry, but what is debt? Debt is bringing forward demand from the future. And now, you know, you know this, this is why I've, I'm absolutely convinced that we're, we're really starting to see a major downturn starting, starting to happen. And I, I wouldn't be averse to using the word depression. You know, we've not used the word recession before, the depression before, but we talked about recession. But there are all the signs here that if people don't wise up pretty quickly, we're in a we're in a depression, a global depression, which would not be not be very much fun. And you you look at what's happened. You've brought forward demand from the future. You've now got much higher interest rates, and for the first time in history, the main source of population growth is people who aren't actually in the market to buy anything. People like myself. Mm. You know? Now, how do you, how do you pay back that that debt? Look at what's happening. Look look at the commercial and real estate markets. Look at them. They're, 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 look at the vacancy rates in all the major cities. Yes, people are still. You know, we've seen this lots and lots of times over the years. Pretend and extend. I can't afford to take the loss. You've come to me, so let's pretend you're going to pay me back, and I'll lend you a bit more money so that you can keep going. And let's not, you know, let, we're, we're both both in this together. I'm sure it will be all right. You're a brilliant real estate developer, Maggie. Just go and do your best. And that, yeah, and that, that works for a while. But in the end, pretend is pretend. And there isn't the demand there. 
You know, that's what I'm saying. If you look at all these big areas, look at what's happening to the auto market. You know, auto markets are fine if you're giving people free cars. You know, you have as much money as you like, and you know you can afford to pay seven hundred and fifty a month to buy buy a new car and so on. But if it's your money that you've now got to spend, if it's your earnings, you haven't got seven fifty. You haven't got two thousand for the insurance. You know, all these things. That, that, you know, so reality is is coming back now, and the Fed hasn't got a clue. Yeah, this so is the unravel of that low. And not not just the COVID stimulus, but this is the unravel of decades of zero percent interest rates that you're talking about. I mean, we're we're, we're looking we're looking at a world which began. You can say maybe it began with Y2K, if if if, if viewers remember Y2K, but when, when we Greece, thought the world was going to stop moving. That's it. You know, and I mean, I was working for one of the major chemical companies. I knew that in 1991 we had realized. Well, I was working for ICI, it was the second largest chemical company in the world. After DuPont, we realized that this was going to happen. We set up task forces, industry set up task forces, government set up task forces. By 1997, one of the guys I carpooled with was, was leading our, our task force. I knew all about it. And by 1997, it was all done. You had a couple of years to test test it all out and so on. And then, you know, people started to issue travel advisory. Oh, isn't a great story? So, you know, I can tell you that nobody would ever have thought that that, you know, could go wrong. They wouldn't, you know. It was all coped with. But when you get, you know, Greenspan decided, oh, well, let's fill the fill the, the, the market with money in case the ATMs don't work. Well, pretty crazy idea, but okay, he did it. So we had the Y2K bubble and it collapsed. But then what happened after that? He did the same again, 2003. We got the subprime bubble, but it was bigger and it was potentially more devastating. So what does Bernanke do? He doubles down again. I've had a policy that's failed twice, so let's do it a third time, but on a bigger scale. Well, you can't expect, you know, as Einstein is, is, is alleged to have said, if you keep doing the same, same thing, you can't expect to get a different result. That's the first sign of lunacy. And, and this is it. this is a you know we're we're talking about the, the what happened in the U.S., but this is a global phenomenon. And in your in your last report. Um, I saw a headline that you're talking about a ring of fire, mm. um, which caught my eye. What, what, walk us through that. What is what does that mean uh, when we have a, a global economy that's kind of created the risks are creating this ring of fire? And we have a graphic up here. Thank you. Well, it, 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 the, the, the idea first came to us when I was writing something for the Financial Times in London. And we're looking at, uh, at Los Angeles. And then somehow I got onto a site where they were tracking the um, the fault lines around the west coast, and somebody just done some work. It's a few years ago. Somebody just done some work where they unfortunately they thought the fault lines were in one place, but actually they were in another place. And all the hospitals and all the schools and everything were right on top of the fault lines. And I, I thought that's an interesting example of what's happened to the global economy. And so you look at where the debt is, and you look at where. If you take take Japan for example, Japan we believe is going to be the uh, the epicenter of the of, of of the of the volcano that's that's coming up. I mean, if I told you that I wanted to talk about a country whose economy, well, whose whose, whose, whose currency had fallen fifty percent against the dollar in the last couple of years. You'd say, oh, what are you talking about? Zimbabwe or Argentina or Turkey or something? And you know, you'd probably be right. But I'm talking about Japan, the third largest economy in the world. And its currency has fallen by 50% against the dollar. 
obviously, things are not going very well in Japan. Well, they have the oldest population in the world, of course. That's one of the things. They haven't got any growth. They've tried mad stimulus programs, craziest policy ever there, um, and it hasn't worked. So now they've got all this debt, 265% of GDP. They've got an aging population. They've got a declining population. Mm. And they've got their currency falling. So now they're in a situation where they either have to allow interest rates to rise more to world levels. They've been below, they were were negative for a very long time. Then they were forced to put them to half a percent. Then they were forced to put them, oh oh my goodness, I can hardly say this, to 1%. But, you know, so that was bad. But supposing they went to 3%, well, the country's bankrupt. The third largest economy in the world is bankrupt. So supposing they don't put, well, then the, the exchange rate probably goes to 200 was from 150. So then the country is bankrupt. Which way do you want to go here? There isn't an option, as far as I can see. They can play for time, but all the time you play for time, you're, you're putting more chips on the table, and actually the house keeps winning. Mm. So, And then, of course, once, 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 once investors get the idea that putting their money into Japan, they might not be looking at return on capital, they might be looking at and worrying about return of capital, they'll probably look across Northeast Asia to China, which has got even more debt and has got a collapsing real estate market, which was 29% of GDP at its peak, nearly a third of GDP. And they've got a a government which clearly lost the the confidence of the people over zero COVID, clearly doesn't have an economic policy, so that's Northeast Asia. That's your second and third largest economy. Now, you know, I can then build the picture. You go to South Africa. You know, it's, you know, can't, can't even get its electricity supply right. Uh, go to go to go to um, go, go, go to Brazil. Vast debt burden, political risks. Look at the political risks just to the south to the south of it with Argentina, with this new new president. Mm. Um, I mean, who has any idea what he's going to do? Probably not even himself. But he, you know, he certainly says he's going. You know, he's, he's, you know, he's, he's going to stop the economy for a while. Whether he can restart it again afterwards will be interesting to see. Then, of course, you go up to, uh, to from Japan. You go in, into uh, in, into Russia. Well, you know, uh, 1.3 million people now uh, conscripted to fight in Ukraine. Um, all its money going into that, not being very successful. Massive Europe, brain drain. Massive brain drain, and so on. Uh, Middle East, you've got the, the the Gaza Israel war, which I think will go on for a long time. Unfortunately, major oil market tensions. They keep having to cut production in order to keep oil prices high. Supposing the oil, supposing they fail. Supposing you know you know the, the you know, we have a have a repeat of what happened in in, in twenty twenty, and the oil price starts to fall. What does that do to the Middle Eastern economy? You know, because that's the only source of money at the moment. Um, and then, of course, in, uh, in in Europe, we've got the geopolitical risks of uh, of the Ukraine war, and we've got recession. I mean, mass. I mean, the pro- the property market, the construction market in Germany is an absolute disaster. And I, you know, I, I'm using words that I've never used before, Maggie. I'm not the kind of person who goes around trying to grab a headline. Mm. You know, if I say something is a disaster, it's because unfortunately I've thought about this a very long time, and I've tried to work out why it couldn't be disaster, why there could be. I'm going, this is a disaster. We're going to take another quick break to hear a word from our partners. We'll be right back with more of the day's top analysis on the Real Vision Daily Briefing. 
wow, we've we've made a right mess of it when you loop around the world and the problems <laughs> we're facing. We haven't done very well as a yeah. as a as a people. But um, so I guess the question is, what do we do with this information? So a couple interesting questions, I think, as we all mm. kind of push against the the sort of day to day market action we see when we think about some of these longer term, bigger mm-hmm. picture problems that you really so eloquently just painted for us. Um, AJ asking, do you think equity markets have already discounted this global slowdown of the economy? It sounds like based on what you're saying, no. I mean, have we even begun to price in the scale of the problems that you just described? I, I don't think anywhere near. I mean, we, we, we talk to investors you know, almost every, all day, every day sort of thing. And what we've noticed in the past four to six weeks, for the first time, for the first time, we've been having fairly senior people coming along and asking us, do you really think this industry or that industry is going to collapse? Wow. As simple as that, right? Uh, we're obviously not going to name names or anything, but, but the, the mood music from the people who really have the money is real concern. Now, there are things that could be done. You know, if you look at the demographics, if you forget the idea that money supply matters, if you forget all this stimulus stuff, and you say, look, you've actually got a totally new generation of people, the perennials over 55s, who weren't, didn't exist 100 years ago. You know, people died at the age of 50, average, at the end of the war. In 1945, they died at pension age at 65, Mm. right? Now they're dying at 80. So you've got a whole new generation of people. Now, the fact that they're not needing very much because they're a replacement economy, but they have fabulous skills. They've got the ability to, you know, everybody gets bored with what they're doing. I mean, obviously you wouldn't, Maggie, but I mean, other other people not having quite the actual job. But most people get bored at the 40s or 50s or whatever. Why aren't we putting money into retraining these people so that they can do things that they want to do? I mean, many people go into caring, for example, but other people go into the arts. Other people go into, they take up things that they've always wanted to do, but because they had to earn money, it was felt you better go and do that and so on. So you've got this, and and of course the thing is, and some of the stores are doing this. You know, they're getting in older staff because they have the discipline of actually turning up to work at eight o'clock and staying at work and not listening to all their favourite music and so on. And they can help the kids to get that discipline. Mm. So there's, there's all sorts of things one could do here, as long as you don't believe that Jay Powell and the Fed are anything to do with actually running the economy. Well, and this is the next question, because I think everyone's come to rely on them. And um, CHED, I'm just going to just call you Chad. I'm not sure if that's right, but um, said, question for Paul regarding depression or deflation. We know central banks know very well how to fight deflation. So the only question is, how long do we need to hang tight and remain solvent before more cowbell comes? Thanks. There is an idea that central bankers will ride to the rescue by dropping interest rates to zero again, and that will solve the problem. Well, I mean, my 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 riposte to that, Maggie, is if it was so easy, as Ben Bernanke said, to stop any kind of economic decline by doing helicopter money, don't you think that in the past 10,000 years of human existence, this would have been done? Do you think, or is it that Ben Bernanke is somehow the greatest genius that the world has ever seen, and uniquely he's the only one? I can take you back to the medieval times in England, and the kings used to do this all the time. 
They'd run out of money. They'd have a foreign war. They'd clip the coinage. So you'd have a silver thing, and they'd take off 10% of it, and, you know, and, you know, devaluing and so on. The big worry about deflation is that if you have a lot of debt, then the value, the cost of that servicing that debt goes up. If When I was young, we had inflation of 15%, bit of a nightmare in the, in, in the early 80s, but we also had interest rates of 15%. So one was balancing out the other. If you look today, what you've had for 15 years is interest rates below the rate of inflation. Now, history shows us we've got 300 years of, of Bank of England data. Bank of England was the biggest central bank, if you like, um, for a long, long time before the Fed came along. And it shows that over that period, the average interest rate has been inflation plus two and a half percent. So supposing we go back now to a world of inflation plus two and a half percent for interest rates. Now, most people couldn't pay that. Right? So, so what, what, what do you do in those circumstances? You have to get rid of the debt. You have to cancel it. Now, what happens when you cancel the debt? And I say, I'm sorry, Maggie, you know that loan that you gave me for, the, for that building? And you know, we're seeing this all around, all around the States. We're seeing it all around Europe. We're seeing it all around China, all around Japan. You know, you, you pay, I know you paid 250 million for it. And I know I gave you some extra money when it was only worth 120 million. But actually, Maggie, it seemed not worth anything at all because nobody's using it. What do you do then? You've destroyed vast amounts of value. And that the Fed can't do anything about. Because at that point, this is what's happened in China, which is the poster child. Once people lose confidence, they don't get it back very easily. Yeah, that's a that's a really tough and uh, that that's psychology. And that's very, very hard to grapple with. I, I think Ralph is asking the question we're all thinking about now is, what do you do? What do you invest in? How do you protect yourself against this? Well, I think that the, the there will come a moment. Uh, I think I suspect we're not quite there yet because I suspect there's probably another fall in in, uh, in bond prices. But there will come a point, if I'm right, where deflation starts to take hold. And so a five percent yield in real terms, you know, if we go if we go to um, to deflation, and instead of talking about five or six percent inflation, we talk about five or six percent deflation which has happened many times in history and would be perfectly synonymous with having an aging population which doesn't have much demand at a point where we've got vast overcapacity. You know, I can tell you that in the chemicals industry, we are facing a world that we've been for 18 months now in a world where no producer has pricing power. Now, you know, it's been better in some retail areas because of the stimulus money, but that's run out. So let's suppose that next year, Walmart and, and, and the others don't have pricing power. Let's suppose P&G and so on don't have pricing power. Now, in those circumstances, you might well say, well, as long as the Treasury is going to pay me the 5%, which let's, you know, it will for a while, how long, we don't know, that would be a good buy. Will the interest rates go to 6 or 7% before it comes back to 5 That's you know, a, 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 a very important question. But as usual, we don't have an answer for it. We'll have to wait and see, as they say. But something around you know, playing for real interest rates. You know, if one goes back and reads Galbraith, the Great Crash, which is the real version of what happened, not the stupid version put about by Bernanke and Co. You know, if you read that, or if you read um, the uh, 
you know, so, so some of the, the, the novels written about the uh, the 1930s, you can see that there are there are uh, some asset values uh, which hold. Not all farmland didn't, for example, in the 30s do very well at all. Uh, for farmland was foreclosed all the time. So one's got to be very cautious about this. But it's really what I say is, this, I don't think there's any great rush on this. It's not going to happen before Christmas. So one's got a bit of time to think about it, talk about it, and so on, read up on what's happened in the past. Um, but as we were saying at the start, gold might well be a good place to go because at the end of the day, I mean, I know people who say, well, at the end of the day, um, you know, if you go along to, to somebody with some gold, then you know, they, they'll probably take it from you at a value. Um, unfortunately, some of the robbers might take it from you as well without value, but there you go. <laughs> <laughs> There's a risk always somewhere with That's hard right. assets, yes. <laughs> especially ones you could run off with. Um, yeah. Paul, we're out of time, but it was so wonderful mm -hmm. to catch up with you and um, get your really unique perspective um, uh, on you know what these industries are telling us. And Mike, I think that answered your question when he was just talking about no pricing power in the chemical sector. But it's so wonderful to get that, even though it was a little depressing. <laughs> but, I'm sorry, but, it's depressing. To be forewarned is to be forearmed. So we well, exactly, exactly, you know, and there is time to think about these things. The worst of it is to say, well, nobody told me. Right, um, and to see I, a, I don't you know, an equity market, a market that's rallied for five weeks, and and it made everyone feel really good. And so mm. you want to take pause and make sure that you understand some of the bigger picture dynamics that are going history, on. So we appreciate it. It was great to catch up with you, Paul. It really was. Thank you so much. Take a step back. Thank you so much, and thanks to all of you for the questions and joining us. We will be back same time tomorrow. So please join us again then. In the meantime, take care. And humans can't think in exponential terms. How consequential do you want to say machine intelligence is? It's almost certainly as consequential as writing. How long did writing take to disseminate through the human population? You know, hundreds, thousands of years. And we're dealing with it now on a scale of months. But in this kind of world, you're compounding 100% growth every year, and the numbers become astronomical. AI is going to spot patterns in the world that were just completely invisible to us. Even if you think that the AI and the robots are your demise, you might as well bloody invest in them and make some money out of it. If not, you're just going to be angry man shaking your fists at the clouds.